You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell. And usually we have the lovely Emma Sexton, but she's sunning herself in Australia this week. So instead, we are joined by the truly fabulous Harry Hall, Digital Feature Centre of Stylist. Thanks so much for being here, Harry. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, we're super excited. And because it's our show before Christmas, we also have the badass dog, Blue, in the studio. But she said a bit too much eggnog, so we hear some some snoring. (laughs) That's her. Um, We're going to be here with you for the next hour easing you into Christmas I guess with some stories that caught our attention this week and an amazing guest we have the Baroness Shami Chakrabarti in the studio with us today uh, but starting off it's our news review Harry you are kicking us off first story what is it this week I am indeed and um, I cannot resist but talk about Matt Damon this week oh, I feel like Matt. you know we've got to talk about Matt um, so this week Matt Damon's been criticised for his comments around sexual harassment um, and he said three things that people have really taken umbrage with. Um, the first is he described sexual assault as being on a spectrum. So without risking misquoting him, um, I've got what he's written down here, what he said written down. Um, he said, I do believe that there's a spectrum of behaviour and we're going to have to figure out what, you know, there's a difference between patting someone on the butt and rape or child molestation, right? Both of these behaviours need to be confronted and eradicated without question, but they shouldn't be conflated. The second thing he said um, was he said that Louis C.K. probably wouldn't do those things again because of the high price that he's already paid for his behaviour. That is, of course, how addiction works there, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And then the third thing he said was that um, we're in a watershed moment and it's great, but I think one thing that's not being talked about is there's a whole load of guys, the preponderance of men I've worked with, who don't do this kind of thing and whose lives aren't going to be affected and essentially said we should celebrate them. Um, But I just think this is such a classic example of not all men. Not all men do this. It's not all of us. I've worked with loads of good guys. Matt, we've all worked with loads and loads of good guys, but what we're saying is it happens a lot. 
So just accept that as fact. Nat, do you think this is a classic male response? Matt's known for putting his foot in his mouth on a number of issues, uh, whether it's him playing uh, Asian men in movies and not really understanding why he shouldn't play those roles or why it was more appropriate for someone else to play that role. I just think he's saying there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum and the whole spectrum's wrong. So if he just starts with that, then where, where does he go? The spectrum is wrong. And if you touch someone on the bum or you rape them, you're going to jail. And the 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 legal system determines how long you're going to jail for. So everything he said is an absolute load of rubbish. I also think one of the kind of phrases that's been used about Matt's uh, Damon's comments are that he's tone deaf, and I think that is perfect description of what he said. Because not only were they comments that you know aren't necessarily relevant, but they've come at a time that is just so deeply wrong. I mean, it's not the time. He just doesn't get it. It doesn't affect him. He's at the top of the food chain. He's wealthy. So as far as he's concerned, he's got his own blinkered view there. And he's like, but they're my mates. And, you know, if you're out for a drink and you tap a woman on the butt, like, you know, let's have some perspective, guys. Matt, it's wrong. Jog on. (laughs) One thing that I wanted to say about Matt is that um, something someone once told me in a yoga class, a teacher said... um, Um, you know, think about whether your comments are actually improving upon silence. And I think we can apply that perfectly to Matt Damon. Maybe it's time to keep your mouth closed. Yes, (laughs) Matt, shut up. Uh, (laughs) Nat, what is your story this week? So my story this week is, uh, it's it's a hashtag, which I don't usually do. And the hashtag is Behind Every Great City. And it's a campaign launched by Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, uh, to mark the centenary of the first woman in the UK winning the right to vote. Uh, And over next year, London and other cities will be celebrating women in a number of different ways. So all of the tube uh, art will be curated and designed by women. Manchester's Man- just had a statue of Emmeline Pankhurst. Yes, exactly. It's got so government backing. Lots of things, backing, happening, lots all of things happening. Um And so cities are, are, are celebrating this. And you know, wherever you are, whether it's Hull or, or, or Liverpool, look out for this celebration of women. But it leaves me with a question: What happens after 2018? In 2019, do we go back to well, it's just man time, man time. <laughs> <laughs> or do so, we, you know, address the balance? I mean, I think this is the the thing that I'm finding quite funny about the celebration of um, you know, 100 years of women's suffrage is the fact that it's it seems to be completely missing the point, which is not. Yeah, it's great that we've had it for 100 years, but we haven't moved on that far. Yeah. You know, we've got the vote, but we still don't have enough women in Parliament. Mm-hmm. We still don't have enough women in senior roles. We still have women being harassed on a daily basis and nothing done about it. We still don't uh, look for equal gender balance when we are appointing people. It's not enough has been done. So rather than saying we're going to have a year celebrating women, I would, I, do you know what? I would love for every mayor in every city to say, do you, this year, 2018, I am going to apply one law that is going to go onto the statue and is going to stay there that is going to make life better for women. That's what I want. Harry. That's the thing. I think this is, you know, it's going to be a really exciting year for women. We've got women's marches. We've got celebrations of the centenary. Um, You know, there's loads of books coming out. It's going to be huge. But exactly what happens after that. And one thing that I find a really interesting and quite frankly uh, strange and uh, curious 
way of celebrating the centenary is that the Big Brother house is going to be filled <laughs> with women. Um, and somehow that's supposed to help uh, with, with, the, with the feminist movement. I just, I can't understand. Thanks for that, Channel 5. Yeah, that's yeah. Really, really helpful. Useful. Really mm. helpful. Uh, so uh, what do you think? Do you think 2018 is going to be the year for women? I remember writing a story early 2016 where I said, this is the year for women in leadership. <laughs> and look how wrong that went. Uh, could 2018 be better? Tell us. Tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour and let us know what you think. So our final story this week is, I, I wish I could end on something more cheery, but I'm mind blown by this. The news that, in fact, women have to wait till the age of 85 in order to be happy. Uh, so this is a study that was done by Health Survey for England, um, which asked women and men their levels of happiness at different ages. And what they found was that generally women are less or less happy than men or of kind of equal levels. The only point where women become statistically more happy is over the age of 85. And when they looked into why this was... It basically is because women's husbands have died. <laughs> um, and so after 85 years of caring for other people, they finally reached a point in their life where they don't have to worry about anyone else and other people care for them. Oh, so, so right. bleak, yeah, I'm bleak. just like following on from the other story. So we've, you know, we're celebrate. This is the first year where we can celebrate women for a whole year, and now we've been told that we have to wait till 85 to be happy. I'm like, <laughs> give me the island and um, the Matt Damon. Give me the island now. I'm just gonna, I'm I'm done. I think what done. we can learn from this is that if you're thinking of divorcing your partner in 2018, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Happiness lies that way. Yeah. Um, Harry, are you going to wait till 85 to be happy? Um. I'd like to be clear that um, I love my boyfriend very much. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think this what's interesting about this story is what you said, Harriet, is the idea that women are taking on the burden and we've heard about, you know, emotional yeah. burden and the kind of labour burden. You know, perhaps we should just start considering about equality in relationships. Um, and I'm very lucky in that I do have that. And actually, you know, aren't we supposed to be getting married to kind of... In some women seem to think that that completes them. I don't agree. I think you can be single and happy, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit interestingly. Bleak. So, so the men are happier. Um, men are happier basically from about mid twenties onwards, and that's probably because you know, they're earning more money. Um, they've got a woman to look after them. The straight men have got women to look after them, and they're kind of a bit more settled. There's less kind of pressure on them, particularly around time. You no know, kids. if you're a woman, if you're yeah, in your mid twenties onwards, everyone's like, oh. Have you eaten a burger or are you having a baby? If you're not having a baby, why not? What's happening with you? <laughs> um, and onwards. And they just don't have those sort of pressures. Plus, they're in relationships. And actually, when men get into relationships, all the statistics show us that they are happier. So when men are widowed, they become more depressed. And that's when unhappiness kicks in for them. So I was going to say, you know, all, all jokes aside about the island, I think not caring is also the thing that women get as a gift when they're 85. They just don't care. They don't care what anyone thinks of them because they've earned their right on the planet. Maybe we just need to uh, claim and uh, earn and, f and feel comfortable just being who we are much, much sooner. I do know this amazing, uh, she's now 99. She's 99, she's hanging out for 100. Uh, 99, but when I met her, she must have been in her mid-80s. And the look of joy that comes over her face when she swears, and everyone goes, oh my God, I can't believe she's just <laughs> said that. This is, you know, tiny, petite, terribly genteel little 80-something old woman uses the filthiest language you have ever heard. 
and it just brings her such joy. Yeah. I love it. That's the attitude. Do it but you know, that's, that's the, the thing. We've, all, we've all got to be eighty-five-year-olds in our hearts now. I think we've just got to stop caring about body image. <laughs> stop caring about whether we swear. You know, stop caring about should we be in this relationship? Should we be in that? And yes. obviously, that's that's the age. Hopefully, we can bring that or down. Move to an island. So we're going to carry this discussion on about what makes women happy and how do we get equality? If this is if this is what we're fighting for, if it's what we really want in 2018, which is top of my list for me, um, how do we get it? Because our guest has literally written the book on this. Uh, coming up next, we have Baroness Shami Chakrabarti. He'll be in the studio with us here on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and this week we also have the fantastic Harry Hall in the studio with us as well. Thank you for coming in, Harry. It's lovely to have you here. Um, And we have our interview this week and I'm really excited about this because I have followed her career for many years. It's Shami Chakravarti. Shami, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, So Shami, I knew you obviously in your former incarnation as Director of Liberty but for people who don't know so much about you tell us a little bit about that role and what you do now so um so Liberty is um a human rights organization a domestic human rights organization here here in Britain um and I I worked there originally as a lawyer and then as the director of the organization for many years nearly well about 14 years um so you were barely born that's very sweet <laughs> um, of you when i started working sadly old, but yeah um and uh, and then just recently i've done a very scary thing but i think something that lots more women should do which is i've got involved in politics and i am now um jeremy corbyn's shadow attorney general which means i'm the chief lawyer to the shadow cabinet and that's very um that's a huge privilege it's quite challenging but uh, yeah that's the next thing for me and what was it that made you decide to take that step well, I think maybe it was coming to a certain age and stage of my life. I loved your discussion of your uh, woman in her 80s and 90s going <laughs> to hell with it. Yeah. it. That's not a swear word, that's all right. That's, like that's okay a place, that. that's yeah. a place, not a swear word, right? Um, and I think maybe I got to my grumpy middle years and thought, we're running out of time, ladies. Uh, I don't want to wait another 100 years for a great leap forward in, uh, in women's equality. And I think women's equality has to be part of your mainstream politics. It's not a single issue. You, know, you talked about yeah. there not being enough women in Parliament. You've, um, we, perhaps we might get onto the, the inequalities between rich and poor, which generally leave women at the, at the poorer end. Just so many things wrong with this country, this continent and this world right now. And, and not all about civil liberties, which is where I worked before. A lot of it is about economic inequality. Mm-hmm. And in order to address that I had to get party political and do you think so I was talking a bit before about how a couple of years ago I wrote an article which said you know 2016 is the year for women and then Mm. it really was not Mm. do you think that has kind of galvanized us that it's moved us forward and how do we take the energy that seems to be around women's rights right now and actually make a difference with it? Well, I think we've got to say this is very serious. This, we can't just keep tinkering around at the edges. It's not about the odd extra statue or, or a special anniversary. Those, you know, they can have their roles, mm-hmm. but only if they energise and galvanise galvanize us to make real changes. Now, in my book, which you yep. very kindly um, men- 
mentioned earlier, of women in the 21st century, I suggest that we need structural change because what we've got on the planet right now between men and women is, is virtually an apartheid. Now, that is a word that I don't use lightly. I've thought very carefully before I've chosen that word. What I'm talking about is structural inequality that is global in reach and millennial in duration. Can you give so, us some yeah, examples example. of that? Absolutely. So, for example, economically, we've got eight men on the planet who own more wealth than 3.6 billion people on the planet. And it's eight men yeah. <laughs> and not eight women. And when we have um, policies like austerity, when public services are cut, for example, as they have been in recent times, in not just in the UK but elsewhere, it is women and children who suffer most because they need public services and also they often, as women, work in public services. Um, we don't have uh, gender pay equality. Even in broadcasting, even at the BBC, we saw the figures published recently about the disparity. We've seen it in Whitehall even more recently, that men and women are not paid equally, even in 2017, for equal work. Um, and we see it in the numbers of women gaining access to the top of the tree, whether it's in politics, whether it's in the boardroom, whether it's in the senior judiciary. I'm, I'm a lawyer and I think we've got some of the greatest judges and courts in the world, respected all over the world yet, in our Supreme Court. 11 justices, only two of them are women, mm -hmm. and the second woman was only appointed this year. Okay. Nat, so I, was say, so I, I completely agree with you, um, and I now understand the context of, of how you've used apartheid. My question is, is how, how does a sort of uh, economic inequality, racial inequality, um, how does all of that feed in? Because I'm sitting here as a black yeah, woman and I, absolutely. when I was reading through the synopsis and flicking through the book, I thought, would I say that gender inequality is the biggest injustice on earth? Because I can't remove race from that. You're quite right. So how does that feed, play out well, in the look, book? Here's the thing. when you're Ultimately, when you're a human rights activist, as I am, as I was and still am, mm. um, one violation is one too many. So if one person on the planet is being tortured... That's one too many. It's not really about numbers. But if you are thinking about numbers, because we are half the planet, whether we're black, white, rich, poor, first world, developing world, Christian, Muslim, you name it, because we are half the planet, that is a hell of a lot of people. And what's more, my argument is that men suffer under this system too. Mm. So, of course, women are at huge risk of intimate violence in the home. Men less so, but men are at huge risk from violence on the street. Mm -hmm. um, lots of women who, who, who lack basic security, uh, lots of women who don't have control over their own bodies and their own reproduction still in 2017, but men suffer terribly from depression. Their suicide rates are way too high, and that's part of the same problem. That's part of being locked into your sex and your gender in particular and the expectations and pressures that society puts on you. So I say, in a sense, sex equality is the greatest global injustice because it's probably affecting 100% of the population, not even just 50%. Okay. Yeah. Harry. And also I think, yeah, what you're saying is really interesting about uh, male suicide rates and depression because a lot of people that are sort of anti-feminists or think that feminism is all about man-hating don't realise that the patriarchy actually has huge ne negative effects on men as well but I'm really interested in what can we do to change this you know we yeah. I know that you're in favor of quotas and I'm in favor of quotas as well but are there any sort of 
grassroots things that we could be doing differently, things that we could be doing differently at all levels? What are the kind of key well, big changes we should be looking to make? In the workplace, I think that women should jo- join trade unions and should assert themselves and be shop stewards and activists and senior representatives in trade unions. I think that women should support each other for promotion um, in, in every workplace, in every profession. I think that women should join mainstream political parties and demand uh, senior roles in those political parties and they should stand for Parliament. In the Labour Party, we've managed to produce... Um, at the moment, we've got more Labour MPs uh, who are women than all the other parties put together. Why? why? I mean, that is because you have exactly, Exactly, right? but, yeah. but that's what I'm saying other parties should think of doing as well. I'm, yeah. not, I'm, I'm not saying it's because oh, men in the Labour Party are just also... Um, reconstructed. It is because of a system called All Women Shortlist, which we have employed. But of and we can we've have still a f- not seen a, a female li- Labour leader, true. which is you know still an issue within it that is. party. It is. It is, and I think um, you know it won't be for a while because you know Jeremy's got a lot more to do. But I think that the next leader of the Labour Party uh, should and will be a woman because the excuses will have faded away mm. because you've got such a critical mass of women now in in the House of Commons, in the Labour Party, that they cover all strands of opinion within the party, they cover all regions, they cover different backgrounds, there's really not going to be an excuse next time. Do you think that's going to be possible to have female leaders actually in any party where we have such a culture of abuse towards women? And so I know that, you know, you suffer quite a bit of this when you um, took your peerage and everyone online went for you. Do we think that's more... I mean, it is more of a problem for women, right? And how do we combat that so that we can get women to the top? Well, for the, for the book, I, I talked to um, to a very experienced police officer who, um, you know, who's coming up to his early 50s, so he's been a police officer all his life. He's, he's now got a, a role looking into this kind of online abuse. And I was really surprised when I spoke to him. He said that... Um, Women get far more of it than men. Women on the left get a bit more than women on the right. And my dear friend and colleague, Diane Abbott, gets more than everybody else put together. Mm. And that goes back to your point about... I mean, the the trendy term these days is intersectionality, Mm. but we we know what we mean. Multiple identity means multiple oppression. And Diane, the first black woman in the House of Commons, she's been there as a role model for all young women for 30 years, has had more than than, than anybody else. But what does she do? She stands up. It's, It's only very recently that she started speaking about it. And I know that that's something she thought about very long and hard because she doesn't want to be the story. She doesn't want to be a victim. You're not on social media, are you? No. And is that that for this specific reason? No, it it, it isn't for this specific reason. Um, When the social media revolution really took off, I, I I, I was still at liberty. And the decision that I took then with colleagues was that we would have, you know, liberty Twitter feeds and liberty Facebook pages, but we weren't trying to create a cult of the personality or the individual. And, of course, even now I'm not an elected politician, so it's not as if, you know, constituents need to contact me by that method. Um, And, yeah, you know, I haven't haven't put my toe in that, you know, in that particular pond. And, And in a sense, my... My job is ultimately to be the legal advisor to the shadow cabinet, not to build a social media um, profile or platform. I think for elected politicians... What would you like to see happen legally to try and prevent some of this? Because we are in a culture where women, as you said, receive way more abuse online and it silences us. Mm. Well, I... 
again, I talk a bit about this in, in, in Of Women, and I suggest that there is at the very least an ethical responsibility on the social media platforms to do more. Should there be more than that, though? Because I'm not entirely sure how ethical they feel. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, they, yeah. if they don't step up, it, uh, the analogy I make, and it's just for debate, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is this one. If there was a bar or restaurant in your neighbourhood that got itself a reputation for being a really unpleasant place to be a woman, women, women would stop going there and, you know, there'd be another place down the road where they would go instead. And so there is that power of of consumer action, if you like. And if some of these existing platforms that have become very wealthy and powerful don't step up, my suggestion or prediction is that other more ethical and comfortable places will will develop and we will vote with our feet. Something I'm really interested in is we've seen a lot of this abuse come from the left Mm -hmm. and we, we like to think of the left as, you know, a sort of more inclusive, more tolerant side if you were to pick a side. But actually we're seeing a lot of abuse come from that way and directed specifically at women and at women of colour. Are you seeing this? So you, you, seeing me, something you just that we need to do? explain what you mean when you say from the left. Is that from people that are left-leaning in their thinking and the and general population? Do you mean it specifically within politics? What do you mean? So politically, we've seen a lot of Jeremy Corbyn's followers like Momentum be the, the groups that have directed the most abuse at women. Um, and Jess Phillips MP has talked about this. A lot of women within the Labour Party and on the left have talked about it, journalists, um, etc. And and that's something that's, that's you know quite troubling to me because uh, wh- why is that happening and how can well, we change that? Well, firstly, I would slightly disagree with the idea that it's a particular problem on the left because, for example, Diane Abbott's abuse is not necessarily coming from the left. So I think it's coming from all sides. That's what I was trying to understand. And the, yeah, I, there's just abuse. I, d- I just don't think that... I don't think the analysis is correct to say that the abuse is coming from the left. It's coming from all sides. It's it's particularly misogynistic, mm. and when it and when there's a race element as well, it's a it, it's a double it's a double whammy. That's mm. what I think is going on. Um, yeah, everybody needs to just clean up their act. We need to we need to learn or relearn to disagree well, to have really difficult really difficult um, arguments but to but to do them without being abusive and not to each hide other. behind a social media platform not to hide behind the anonymity of it I mean yeah. again you guys will know more about this because you're probably on social media and I'm not and I question this in the book is it is there something about the design of these platforms that is lending itself to the shoutiest language do you get more followers do you get more likes the more it's, flamboyant it's you are in your language. I think it's a little bit of both. So I think it, because I remember when we started, Twitter was a safe place for women. So I, that seems ironic now. But mm. 10 years ago, Twitter was where women found a voice. Mm. And now it's where they are abused. So it's interesting to me. And I want to hear about because as Shami says, we are. We are on social media. So you can come and find us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Any of the nice stuff, please. And tell us whether it's become a haven or a hell for you. What do you think about social media? Is it useful do you use it or do you just find it way too shouty? Um, Shami, you're going to stay in with us for our Badass Balls Ups, so yeah? Stay in and give your views and advice. Thank you. Uh, we have loved talking to you, so we're going to keep you and get some wisdom because coming up after the break, it is, of course, our Badass Balls Ups, our part of the show where we try and solve some of your problems. Um, I've got some quite, some quite good ones this week. I'm quite looking forward to it. <laughs> so stay tuned with us here on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and this week also co-host Harry Hall. And we're lucky enough to have in the studio the amazing Shami Chakrabarti. Thanks for staying with us, Shami. (laughs) So it's that time of our show where we try and solve your problems. We put our wisest hats on. We really dig deep into our life experiences and we come up with answers that are maybe a little bit better than Dear Deirdre, but probably not something you should rely on. So, you know, don't take this to the grave with you. But we try. <laughs> now, what is our first problem this week? So I disagree. I think our advice is brilliant. <laughs> it's stuff to live your life by. Uh, so my one is from Amelia on Twitter. And she says, I really want to get into campaigning, but I don't have any experience in the field. I have a degree in history and I've been working as a teacher for the past three years. But the current political climate is angering me. How can I turn this anger into something more constructive aimed at making a difference how do i get started mm, harry you are a great you've always got a campaign going on i'm always really impressed by this from a kind of starter point of view what are first few things that she could be doing so i completely understand the point of view of being sort of quite nervous and unsure about how to get started but obviously the three of us and including shami mm-hmm. we've got a platform we're the media we're politicians you know so that gives you an advantage but we're all politicians we're all journalists today we've got we've got instagram we've got twitter we've got facebook and while we hate on social media it's actually this amazing platform to start a campaign so i would say start a facebook group start a petition you know there's no thing too small to get started amazing shami this is obviously your life's work here well how do people get involved well i you know your advice was very good and it's about creativity and using all this wonderful um, new technology which is a great opportunity but there's an old fashioned thing like I could say as well which yeah. is solidarity you could join an existing group or yeah. campaign and lend your support and your ingenuity to that because when we come together in our numbers in large numbers then we can do amazing things so the chances are if the, the person who wrote in is, is cross about certain things that she's for example seeing in, in her school, you know, whatever it is, as a, as a teacher, there will be other teachers who feel the same way. Is, there, is she part of her union? Does she want to join a political party? Does she want to join a pre-existing campaign around whatever it is, period, poverty, food banks? There's a, there's a lot out there that, that, uh, that she could get involved in. Do you think, um, you know, in your book, are there kind of, is there one key thing that we could all be doing to actually, if we feel angry about something, to make a change in it? Well, I, I would say that we need to, to join political parties and trade unions and, and so on. But, but for me, the, the biggest journey I've been on as a feminist is that when I was a young woman, I didn't believe in affirmative action. And now I do, because the status quo is not a so-called meritocracy. No. There is no reason why we should be, as women, so underrepresented at all the top tables of power and wealth and health in the world. So that is that is the ultimate takeaway from my book. We've got to, we've got to take affirmative action. Yes to quotas. That's what we want. And before uh, you Matt. start campaigning, I, I would say read around the subject. Uh, so if you campaign on one thing, what are the unknown unknowns? What are the unintended consequences? Is there a group that you're forgetting? And maybe this is the thing that I keep on banging the drum about at the moment. But there are, you know, if you're saying one thing and you're celebrating a, a group, are you forgetting a group that, that don't have a voice? And, and how can you bring that, that group into whatever campaign you start? And yes, it, join existing campaigns. There's so much going on at the moment. Is there a skill that you've got that could amplify the work that someone else is doing before you start your own separate hashtag? Um, 
Because we should celebrate the period poverty campaign that yes. happened this week, yeah. Nat. Shout out to Amica George. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. I was yeah. there last night. Or yeah. no, it wasn't last night, it was a couple of nights ago, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, it's exactly that. She, you know, she there was something that she saw was wrong. You know, uh, young women don't have access to free sanitary wear at school. She wants to change that and she's gone about campaigning. But she's not the only one. There are lots of other groups doing similar work, um, period periodical. Um, so look, look around and see what's there and, and and get involved fabulous okay and our second uh second one today is this is mine yes it is uh, <laughs> i'm just checking uh, so this is oh actually um they didn't want to give their name that's fine it came via our website which is badasswomenshour.com do you, you can go in there and leave a little problem for us we always like those um so she says holidays 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 they're finally here which means booze lots of food and all the family this year is particularly jolly as my partner and i are expecting but we have decided not to tell anyone until the fourth month, meaning this festive season I will have to dodge smoked Sambellinis and Prosecco. I don't want to be rude, but we really want to keep the whole thing quiet for another couple of months and there's no way I want to endanger anything because someone wants to push me to drink some champagne. Are there any excuses I can use to sound polite and not give away the pregnancy? I mean, I don't know if you're in your 30s, but basically everyone assumes you're pregnant the whole time. So um, <laughs> yeah. they're probably going to think it whatever. But Harry, you think you've got the answer to this, right? Right. This might not be hugely original, but I <laughs> noticed that a couple of my friends um, who were expecting were drinking beer out of um, bottles that didn't have any labels, but it looked like beer and we assumed they were drinking and it actually turned out to be non-alcoholic beer. And I think that's a, g- a good way to go for it. You know, instead of having to make up these massive excuses about being on antibiotics or being on booze-free, <laughs> nobody's booze-free at Christmas. Just <laughs> pretend you've gone vegan and drink a non-alcoholic beer. You know, just don't mix up the glasses. <laughs> Shari, do you, is there a kind of polite way to... I, I could say it's not actually just when you're pregnant. Sometimes you're at an event and you've been at three events that week and you're just like, please, no more. How do we kind of politely say, I'm good, thanks, without, as a woman arousing loads of questions as to why you are doing that well there's all there's lots of tricks and devices you can <laughs> pretend to drink when you're not drinking yeah. you can say you had too much the night before and you're taking it easy today and of course during the christmas you know the season goes on starts at the you know the end of november yeah. and goes, so, so <laughs> you could easily have had too much the night before of course if you're spending too much time with the same people they'll, they'll catch <laughs> you out um, um, my son's nearly 16 and I can remember being caught out pretty pretty <laughs> swiftly you know, the first time I went to dinner and, and even just pretended to sip a glass of wine so I'm probably not the best I'm not the best one for the covert ops when it comes to but drinking at Christmas we need to you know if we suspect that somebody's expecting shut up about yeah, it yeah just let them do their fake drinking let them not have the cheese whatever you know it's not our business I know I was outed as pregnant by um by some friends before I'd spoken to my parents, you know. Yeah, I think this is actually, this is the way to get out of it, isn't it? Which is the second anyone says, oh my God, you're not drinking, are you pregnant? You simply turn around and say, on behalf of every woman in this country, I am offended that you would ask me such a thing. How dare you, you are impringing on my feminist rights to simply no. not drink. They're not going to ask you again. That's not good. badass. That's, just, <laughs> that's, that's badass too far, isn't it? That's turbocharged yeah, badass. I think I'm, yeah. I'm in that zone. That, that's, that's where I would go. But, you know, I'm, I am the worst. At, at Christmas, I think I have a, a hip flask of champagne just constantly strapped to my side. But I do think if someone's not drinking, just let them be. People don't have to drink if they don't want to. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, our final question this week. Harry, you've got it. What is it? 
Um, this is from Vidi via Instagram, and the badass balls up is. I am an architect and I currently work at a nice small firm in Birmingham. I'm looking at opportunities to move to Central Europe and keep on working as an architect. So I want to update and polish my CV a bit. How can I make it more appealing to international firms? Nice. Mm, now, what do you think? So I think lots of people forget on their CV all of the things that they've done over their career that could be useful for a new job. They just think about the role that they're currently in. So I would go back and think, you know, from the moment you started working, what have you done that you can start to bring into your CV and your and your statement? Uh, if you haven't travelled that much, I would maybe start booking some tickets and I would go to wherever it is that you're thinking about in Central Europe and just visit, get to know it. And you can bring some of that into your, your statement because it's not just your CV. Um, and I would maybe start volunteering. So if you're if you want to stay in architecture, <coughs> maybe there are some um, some voluntary groups that you could join, maybe working with young people, just something that makes your CV stand out when it lands on the desk of an international firm. And I would start contacting people. So maybe ask for mentoring or sponsorship um, just to get your foot in the door. If you're not on LinkedIn, join LinkedIn, refresh your profile uh, and start saying, you know, I'm looking for opportunities outside of outside of the UK. Don't limit yourself to one area and, and see what comes about. But don't forget, it's not just the CV. There are lots of other ways that you can start to let people know that you're career ready. Thank you. Shami, you've obviously employed a lot of people over the years. Are there things that really make a CV stand out for good or bad reasons for you? I, I think some of it's basic presentation. Yeah. Um, you know, j just the way it looks on on, yeah. on the page. Um, maybe keep it um, to a couple of pages and not have anything that's too long. Um, have something that's legible. Yeah. You know, the, don't pack in too much with tiny fonts. Yeah. And um, and a little bit of the flavour of your personality. Yeah. So perhaps you haven't perhaps you, you haven't um, travelled the world, but you've read about the world. You have interests that that make you look like an interesting person that you might want to meet. Yeah. I always hope people want to actually employ a human, not a sort of droid. So, yeah, yeah. including some personality in there. And do rewrite the... I mean, I guess you know, I was listening to, you know, Nat talking <laughs> about LinkedIn and all this stuff that I don't do and will never do because I'm a tin hatter. I'm a badass tin hatter. But for your, gener but for your generation, I think that... Um, that I completely f I've completely forgot what I was going to say. Statement. Were you going to talk about oh, the statement? Yeah, I was going to say... Um, do write a different CV for each job that you're applying for. Like retailer it. Do yeah. a bespoke. So it takes a bit of time, but it's worth it if, it if it's a particular application for a particular job. And and yes, the statement, the stuff that comes from the heart, yeah. can really make a difference. Because remember, you're making the person who's um, employing you feel good about the place where they work. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing to remember. Like what. Maybe you haven't worked in an international organisation, but have you done projects that have had an international impact? So has the work you've done in the UK been taken elsewhere? And look for those similarities. So what have you done here yeah. that actually might want to be replicated where you want to go to? Mm -hmm. That's the, you know, think about not just the direct, but maybe also the indirect links between the two of you. And good luck and let us know how you get on because we always want to hear a success story. Um, if you've got a problem and you want some help or advice on it, we'll be here not till the new year now. 
now, but we'll have our wisest hats on in 2018. Yes. Um, so do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR or direct message us if you want to keep it private. Um, or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Come chat to us because we love to hear about it. And quite frankly, if you manage to get through the Christmas holidays without a row with your family, you're doing better than anyone else I know. <laughs> so we will be oh, here yeah. to give you some wisdom on that. Shami, thank you so much for being in the studio with us. We thank have loved you. having you. Uh, tell us again, if people want to buy your book, what's the title? Where can they find it? So the book is called Of Women. Um, it's by me, Shami Chakrabarti, and it's published by Alan Lane, who are a branch of Penguin. You can you can get it in all usual places. All the good bookshops. All the big sh- ah, all the good bookshops. That's and, what I'm trying to say. And give a book instead of a bottle this Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I like It'd that. It'd be good for people's bodies and minds. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Making the world a better place, one gift at a time. Uh, so coming up next, our backdated badass. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and this week standing in for Emma Sexton we have the fabulous Harry Hall. Hello, thank you Harry for still staying with us for a whole <laughs> hour. So that's out. commitment. <laughs> commitment. Um, so it's that time of the show where we talk about an amazing woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. But this week, we thought we would recap some of the incredible women that we have truly, truly loved in case you missed them. Um, So we're going to talk about our favourites and explain why they are our favourites from the past year, because we've had some really amazing women be featured in this slot. So 
Nat, who have you loved the most? If I had to pick one, but I'm not going to pick one. I'm having two. So my first one is Annie. No, my first one actually is Josephine Baker. Tell us about Josephine. Josephine Baker was a, a singer, an actress, uh, an activist. She is an American black woman who moved to France in the early 30s and she built a career there and if you want to visualize her she used to do a lot of uh, topless shows she used to walk around with a uh, cheetah and there are photos of her where she's sort of got bananas hanging from her as a skirt basically she was rihanna but like in the 19 in 1937 <laughs> i'm pretty sure rihanna was like i'm just gonna like be josephine baker now um she had a very sort of sultry voice of the time and one of the reasons that she stuck out, stood out for me was that she one of the first women I feel that was really herself she was a polymath and she embraced her sexuality and embraced her her body and moved to somewhere where she felt that she'd be appreciated because at that time in the US ultimately she would have been persecuted this was pre-civil rights remind me because I think I might be mixing her up but did she adopt a lot of children yeah her? she had 12 yep. children she had four husbands one partner 12 children just keeping them rolling yeah, in there. keeping it rolling. <laughs> and all of that while she was singing on stages with bananas around her waist and her boobs out. And you said she was an activist as well. What kind of issues was she um, talking about? So civil rights um, was one of the, the main things that, that she spoke about. And she one of the reasons that she moved to, to Paris and, and, and to France was that she didn't feel that the US represented her and it didn't represent her sensibilities. So a lot of her activism was around that. Amazing. And who's your second choice? Annie Londonderry. And Annie, again, it, Rihanna links ofs, um, because Annie Londonderry is the woman, one of the first women to, well, the first woman to ride around the world. And she did it because two men bet uh, sorry, her that she ride could... Ride on what? On a bike. On a bike. On a bike yeah. around, the, around the world. Two men bet her that she couldn't. Um, so she did a wager and she raised uh, £10,000 to ride around the world on a bike. And there are stories of her riding into town with her foot on the handlebars bandaged, bandaged up because she'd fallen off. Um, she carried a pearl-handled pistol in her garter just because, you know, sometimes you... you that's just how you have to roll. <laughs> um, and she left her kids and husband behind to do it. I love that. I love that she just did it on a wager. Yeah. Amazing story. Great picks. Love them both. Thank you very much. Harry, who have you picked for us? So, um, not to do a personal plug, but I found this really difficult because I've just spent the year writing a book about 100 renegade women Tell from us history. The name of the book. It's called She. Um, it's available to pre order on Amazon now, but enough about me. <laughs> the point was um, the struggle with selecting 100 was hard enough. So, selecting one um, or two now <laughs> is, is really, really difficult. But a woman that I think is is the most remarkable, one of the most remarkable women from history is Harriet Tubman. Um, she was an great abolitionist. Name. Great name. Another Harriet. <laughs> Another shout Harriet. out to the Harriet. They are the best. Um, and she was an abolitionist. Um, and in 1849, in her 20s, um, she escaped her slave owners in Maryland, travelling 90 miles on foot um, to escape to the free, free states. And then after that, she didn't even just escape and think, you know, thank God I've left. She went back um, and she saved over 70 slaves going Going back and forth um absolutely incredible woman and then after that um she became a nurse and a spy um she campaigned for women's suffrage and she's an absolutely unbelievable uh, human being 
And as a result, in 2016, she was overwhelmingly voted to become the first African-American to appear on a US banknote. So I think quite right. Amazing. She sounds incredible. I love women who just have decided they're just going to make a difference and they are acting on it. I think she's a great inspiration for and that. And yeah, to be so selfless. Well. Yeah. yeah, is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's a real exemplar of humanitarianism and courage. I think we could all learn something from her. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, so my two picks, because they're like, now nah, I couldn't pick just one, so I had to pick two. Um, so my first one, as a journalist, I love her, Ethel Payne. She was known as the First Lady of the Black Press in the 1960s and 70s. And she was a journalist and she was a really um, just uh, out there, opinionated because quite often as journalists we're told we have to be completely unbiased and we can't have our own opinions. And she reported stories that she cared about. So she travelled all around the world at a time when women really weren't foreign correspondents, still aren't really now, but particularly then. Um, She talked a lot about domestic violence. She really brought it up as a proper issue that should be written about and considered newsworthy. Um, And she loved asking tough questions. So she apparently once asked Eisenhower exactly when he was going to ban segregation on public transport and then just sat there and waited for the answer, which was just the 1950s and 60s, absolutely brilliant. Nobody was doing that. Um, And I just love the fact that she really wanted this as her career you know, nobody told her she could have it nobody said this is a great idea go be a journalist all she got was you're a woman and you're a black woman so you're really not meant to be a journalist and she didn't care and she just did a brilliant stellar stellar job um, and then she also became the first female commentator on cbs love her she's amazing and also women at that time were you know, writing any female journalist right, writing about you know lifestyle and entertainment, and she went straight for the hard news. Really yeah. hard news, and you know, and even now today, as a journalist, as a female journalist, that's hard to do, mm. right? People just mm. want you to write about women's stuff. I do that. Keep commissioning. Although me, I do love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it for her to say no, I want to talk about the big issues, and some of those issues are issues that just affect women, but they are still news. Brilliant. She is a hero. And then my second one, I couldn't leave her out because I love a Renaissance woman and she totally is a Renaissance woman, is Hedy Lamarr. So Hedy Lamarr, who gets written off all the time as just another pretty actress from the 1940s. And yes, she was a pretty actress from the 1940s, but she's also the reason that we have Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Hedy. Thank you, Hedy. So she was an inventor, a scientist, an engineer. And um, whilst she was an actress, she kind of teamed up with her then husband Husband, and they've just invented things in their garage. I mean, can you imagine how fun to go around on a Sunday and like talk about films and then just do some building in the garage? I loved <laughs> it. Um, and what they found was they played around a lot with radar and they found a way they could actually kind of crack German codes through the, uh, through the Second World War. And this then developed into the foundation for Bluetooth, GPS and Wi-Fi. So I know I'm not helping the cause here, but when we had the brief, I remember this, literally I was like, she is beautiful. She she is just absolutely beautiful, and, and she not, breaks uh, all the stereotypes. Well, fact, she does, and I love her for that. And she became addicted. So when we close the story, she became addicted to it, and she started to take on board a lot of surgery. And again, it's that 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 contradiction of she had a brilliant mind and a you know in, invented uh, the early foundations of Bluetooth, but still had that insecurity about her looks. And it, yeah. what it came down to at the end of the day was was her looks. And didn't she die? related to a complication oh I don't know but she's I mean she is an incredible just brilliant woman and I think we we do stereotype and we put women into boxes and we say you're pretty therefore you're not intelligent or you're intelligent therefore you're not pretty and actually she's the joy that says you can be all things and I love for that so 
we are closing our show. We're coming to the end. But as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the coming days. It is, of course, our badass principle. Nat, what is it to close out the year? Our badass principle uh, to close the year is shine bright. And I've only just made this one up. <laughs> this is the level of all Well, we're going to go with Merry Christmas and it is connected. So Christmas is a wonderful time of year. And for me, it's because I love the twinkles and the sparkles. You know where this was going. I just love a twinkle. I was squealing all over the place yesterday. I walked through the Dorchester and they're... They have a tree on every every empty space is a tree with twinkles on it. So I was just like in 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 heaven. And then I went through Maid of L and they have a tree on every single building. So shine bright is just be like the tree, sparkle, be wonderful. Harry, how are you going to advise women to shine bright in 2018? What would you like to see them do? So using the word shine, I'm going to develop it into shine theory, um, which is the idea that if I don't shine, Lovely. you don't shine, I don't shine. So bring other women up with you. Wonderful. I think that is a beautiful thought to close on. It has been a joy to be with you for the last year. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we will be here again in 2018. But in between, if you want a little more, we've got our uh, show next week, which is a clip of our highlights, our favourite guests from the series, or you can go download the podcast because you know what? There are over a hundred of them. Over a hundred podcasts that you can listen to, catch up with all our backdated badass, all our amazing guests, all the problems and wisdom we've been sharing um, and tweet us and tell us your favourites or just tweet us Merry Christmas so we don't feel alone. Mm. Nobody wants to be alone at Christmas. You can come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour or come find us individually. Tweet me at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Harry. At Harry underscore Grace. Yay. Um, we will be here again in 2018. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We have been the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.